Seinfeld, the pick is over, but we are just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now here are the two guys who get along better than Louis Pasteur and his wife. I'm Rob Sister, and he's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? Good. I was hoping you say uh, two guys who sit around in their disgusting apartments with no underwear <laughs> watching basketball. <laughs> I was going to say something about nipples, too, but here we are. We are ready to talk about the pick, Akiva. I think we're going to settle for, you know, the final time, whether it was really a pick or a scratch. Okay, uh, good. I hope that we're going to settle that here in today's episode. The 53rd episode of Seinfeld that we're going to talk about where Jerry gets caught, whether it was a pick or a scratch. Elaine sends out a Christmas card. George tries to get back together with Susan and Kramer gets very upset about this idea for a perfume that he pitched to Calvin Klein, which has now become a reality. Uh, yeah, right. He, uh, Kramer had the idea in... Uh, in um, the baby shower, was it? In the, um, no, I think it was... Uh, oh, no, it was, it was the uh, intervention. Is that the name of the episode? They, they, they were having the intervention, and that's when Kramer pitched the, the, the cologne. Right, the beach. But is, is, is the beach and the ocean the same thing, though? No, apparently not. There's actually a deleted scene yeah, where it's the Pez dispenser, right? That's the that's when they have the intervention. It's the, I have it written down here. Pez dispenser, yes. Yeah. The, the, in the deleted scene, um, a guy, uh, like some executive at Calvin Klein, argues, like, no, 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 like this is the you know the beach, not the ocean, or the you know, it's a totally different thing. Yeah, that's the same guy that was at the the intervention in the Pez dispenser. Uh, yeah, but he did not make. Uh, he didn't, make make he, he didn't make the cut. He didn't make the cut. Do you remember when we had the debate with about that guy back in the Pez dispenser? What was the debate? We were debating over whether that he actually thought it was a good idea or whether he thought it was a bad idea. Yeah, I, you know what it was? I'm sure he thought it was a bad idea. Yeah. And then he like, you know, told his friends at a party and they're like, oh, I would wear that. Well, no, what ended up happening in the Pez dispenser was that you know, he's like, this is the worst idea. Why would anybody go to the beach and want to smell like fish? And then George comes in and I forget exactly what it was. Oh, it was that where George Kramer told George that he had to break up with the woman that played the piano, a preemptive breakup. And then George had hand because of Kramer and George comes in and is like, this man is a genius. This man is knows what he's talking about. And we debated whether or not did the guy from Calvin Klein say, hold on a second. Am I writing this guy off? Maybe he is smart. Yeah, that's right. Wait, but uh, in this episode, uh, Jerry does not have hand. Jerry does not have hand. And the guy from <laughs> Calvin Klein, either he was trying to cover his butt or in, at least in the deleted scene that he's in, he was trying to cover his butt. He did not seem like he was impressed. But Calvin Klein certainly feels was impressed with Kramer. Do you think they called, like, how many times did they try and get the real Calvin Klein? Yeah, I'm surprised because typically on Seinfeld, when it's not the real person, they have, like, they you don't see them. Although, Jay Peterman's a real person, right? Yeah, but he's not, like, famous. Like, he wasn't a hard get. Yeah. So, I feel like that traditionally the move is going to be whether it's JFK Jr. Or George, or George Steinbrenner or Castro or somebody like that. You know, we're not going to see them. But uh, we do see Calvin Klein here. Uh, well, we see fake Calvin Klein. Fake yeah. Calvin Klein. Yes. Not Marty McFly either. You know what no, I'm talking think, about with that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, okay. seen, uh, <laughs> I've seen I've seen all three. By the way, it is time to... Don't you think it's time to reboot those movies? Like they're rebooting all these movies. Mm. Shouldn't we have a new Back to the Future? <sighs> Should we get on that? I wonder how it would be received. 
I mean, it's it's really it's been like thirty years since the first one, right? So yeah, I think it's time. You think it's? Time? Oh, I see what you did there. I did. That was an accident. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know about the Back to the Future reboot. We'll see. We'll see. Should it just pick up where we left off? Like just in 2015, like uh, the time is yours. Are 2015 so different than the Back to the Future 2015 that it wouldn't make sense? Yeah, I think it's a totally new universe. Yeah. No, but I, I, I agree. I'm on, you sold me. I'm on board for, okay, Back to the Future reboot happens in 2015. You have to, that, you know, Marty McFly has to go back to, but it's set in 2015. And Marty McFly has to go back. His dad is in high school in 1985. And uh, he goes back to 1985 and has all sorts of hijinks. Yeah, because they could really do like 10 of them. You know, now they like to milk these things. He can go back and like, you know, fix like the Civil War. And you, you could go. There's no shortage amount of times you can go back in history. So but who, who do you think would be the Michael J. Fox? Who would be a good guy to play that? See, I, I think you'd have to be sort of like a really wild uh, reimagining of it. Like, I feel like I would want to see either a girl or, you know, some a different, you know, somebody I don't want to just, you know, find the new Michael J. Fox. All right. So uh, fine. For a girl, is Anna Kendrick too old? Yeah. <laughs> she would be good. She would she would She's be a, good. She might be too old for that. Right. I mean, does it have to be a high school kid? Mm, well, I don't think Marty McFly was. I mean, I don't think that Michael J. Fox was a high school kid at that right, time. He was, like a, he was like a kid. What about um Jesse Eisenberg? Mm, he's too old. He's too old, and he'd be like, just like um, you know, we don't want to just do an impression of Michael J. Fox. Yeah, you think that's too close? Yeah, I think that's too close. So uh, we let me think. Let me sit on this. Let me <laughs> let me marinate on uh, who's going to star in the Back to the Future reboot. Okay. All right. All yeah, right. If someone has a good casting idea, let us know. Okay. <laughs> Great. Of course, this is our 53rd episode of Seinfeld that we're going to talk about here on our journey to cover all 180 episodes of Seinfeld. And I do feel like we're, we're picking up a lot of steam, Aki. We got a, and we got a lot of blue sky ahead of us. Uh, yeah. I mean, the fourth season's really flown by. You know, there's no clunkers. We're really, we're really past all the filler for the whole series. It's not like we're going to be slowed down again. You know, this is. It seems like. You know, two weeks ago was the contest. You know, this week is the pick. The Junior Mint's coming up soon. Uh, the outing is coming up soon. Like, there's really no... And then the fifth season is amazing. So, you know, we just, you know, the, the show really helps us out. It, it just keeps going. Yeah, if this journey was like a, you know, trans... Uh, what would you call it? Transcontinental? What, what's it called when you fly across the United States? Are you going across the continent? No, that's a good question. I mean, uh, is transcontinental that, that you go from one continent to another or you go across the continent? Well, let's, let's look this up because okay. we're going to get a, a lot of angry. But basically, this is a flight from New York to, <laughs> to L.A. And, you know, we took off. It was bumpy. We didn't know if we were going to get off the ground. There were storms. There were delays. Finally, the plane has got off, off the ground. We're at 30,000 feet and the light has just gone off where we can now get up and move around the cabin. Yeah, so Transcontinental is like New York to LA. Yeah. All right, uh, this is your pilot, and uh, we are here. We reach our cruising altitude now of season four, and uh, looks like we're going to have smooth sailing all the way through season nine. So just uh, sit back. It's going to be a, a long flight. We've got about three years to go, <laughs> and uh, hope you uh, enjoy the flight. <laughs> 
Well, we'll be Were showing... you the pilot from the finale where the plane almost crashed? Yes. Uh, we'll be showing some movies on this flight. Uh, Akiva hasn't seen any of them except for uh, Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3 starring uh, and 4 starring Anna Kendrick. And uh, <laughs> hope you enjoy the flight. Well, I don't think you really have caught my idea because I definitely do not want to name it Back to the Future 4. Uh, so it's, what is it? It's, what is it called? Just Back to the Future? No, I, I don't think you could... I don't like when they just give it the same name. Like, I think the new Jurassic Park is Jurassic World. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, that's better. So I don't know. Like, and you can't do, like, it's a serious movie. You can't do, like, you know, Back to the Future or, or back something to ridiculous. The future. Or can you call it, like, Back in the Future? Because I, mean, I, I don't think that's the name, but I think you're, that's that sort of thing. The uh, Future to the Back? No, see, I, now that's too confusing. Too confusing. <laughs> These are serious films. We're, we're trying to win Oscars here, not, you know. Well, well, uh, the, the original Back to the Future didn't win an Oscar. I know, but I feel like. Unless they wanted for like some you. effects thing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no. Well, no, I, I want at least an acting nom for Anna Kendrick. No, she thought she's then look elsewhere because she's not getting you know, back to the future, back in the future. Well, again, if we have a serious title, I think we could. Like, let's say, you know, the first one she's solving, she's like saving the Civil War. I feel like. Those types of movies, like she's saving the Civil War in the first. I don't one? know what happens. Like it's it's a like the first no one is a note for note remake. She's going back to 1985 because of whatever happened. Wait, we wait, we really have missed the the key point. Is Christopher Lloyd playing himself? Mm. No, we need somebody. Else. We need somebody else instead of Christopher Lloyd. Who is who is the new Christopher Lloyd? Who is the new? Uh, <laughs> let's why the new. Christopher Lloyd is Michael Richards. I was going to say that, but I don't know. I don't, I, no, listen, again, Michael, we don't want anybody... not send Michael Richards back to the Civil War. Right, that's that's like right. problematic. Right, that's problematic. We don't want anybody that is just doing a version of like... Okay, how about this? The new doc is Jackie Chan. Uh, see, I'm not even watching that movie. <laughs> oh, I'm no. Out. You're out? I'm out of Jackie. You're out on Jackie Chan? <laughs> I okay. mean, if you said Chris Tucker, I would say like that's not, Jackie Chan's not even the better candidate from Russia. Okay, however. all right, fine, fine. Chris Tucker is the new. Do you even Brown. find Chris Tucker? I feel like he hasn't been I in the movies. He, I think like, he's gettable. I think he's gettable. I feel like he's only in the Rush Hour movies. Hmm. Well, he's. I think he's done something since then. But that is. I mean, do you need like a wise and old person? I mean, I feel like The Rock is in everything. <laughs> the Rock is not the new Doc. There's no <laughs> Doc Rock. No, there is no, there is no rock brown. No, I think that I mean, that would be good. No, that's a different movie that that if you put the rock in a DeLorean, you're racing it around the streets of Hill Valley. The movie sells itself like you have the rock in a car. People think it's like Fast and the Furious 12 and it'll just show up. The rock is sequel Viagra. He is not reboot Viagra. I feel like if this was Back to the Future Four, you can have the Rock. If this is if this is Back in the Future, then you do not get the Rock. All right, I this mean, is do you go like really old. Like what about like John Lithgow? <laughs> I think he's too old. Again, we don't want somebody that's just going to be like a, the exactly you know one for one with Christopher Lloyd. Okay, uh, last one, and we're probably a little off track here. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, Zach Galifianakis is fine. You can have Zach Galifianakis is Doc Brown. Anna Kendrick is the new Marty McFly. And do they fall in love? No. That's not the, roma the romantic lead in the movie. I mean, that would be, that would be like an interesting one. Hmm. Yeah, but that's a different story.
<laughs> that's a different story. That is that's a different story. Okay. okay. All right. Let's let's jump into this. Okay. Akiva. Uh, yeah, I think, All right. I think we used up a lot of the Seinfeld. Yeah, we way off. We we used up a lot of the Seinfeld news segment on Back in the Future. But uh, what do you got? Okay, uh, so Real quickly, um, the the uh, the big news is that um, the official date has been announced for Seinfeld to come to Hulu. What do we That's got? June twenty fourth, Wednesday, June twenty fourth. Set and your time circuit, Zach Galifianakis. That will that'll also June twenty fourth will be the day we we announce our like how this. I wonder how it works. Like if we just offered like five million dollars, do we get the rights to like? How does it work with movies that have already happened? Like who owns the rights? I wonder. Uh, the studio which which did it and which I believe is Universal because that's where that's where the back to the back to the oh, yeah, future ride sense. is and they would not sell them to us for five million dollars. Not uh, five million is not going to do it. Yes, we would not get the rights to do our own Back to the Future reboot for I feel five like, million dollars. Like the internet geeks like. And again, Otherwise, we would get the Kickstarter going right yeah, now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like twenty million dollars would that do it? No. No. Well, the movie is going to make could... more than $20 million. Yeah, I don't know if we could get, but why We're aren't they making, making it then? Like, right now, it's making them zero. Well, I feel like that, uh, I don't know if nobody wants to do it. Eventually, They'll do it eventually. They're going to remake you know, Ghostbusters. They'll remake the... I've never seen Ghostbusters. Uh, we've watched the remake? The, 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 I think they're doing two, right? Like an all-male one and an all-female one? I don't think they're doing something. two remakes. I think it's yeah, one. I, one I, I would... I'm not really interested in busting ghosts, to be honest. <laughs> Like, I don't even know what it's, what they're doing. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not going to explain the plot of Ghostbusters to you. <laughs> okay. The other quick news is um, the uh, the finale of uh, Late Show with David Letterman was this week. And uh, two of the big four showed up. They were uh, strategically placed in the, in the top 10 list. Jerry didn't get a great slot. He was only, I think, seventh. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, he, uh, what's called, his joke was whatever. But then Elaine, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, gets up there two spots later. And she says, uh, you know, she she take she take a shot. She took a shot at the uh, Seinfeld finale by saying she's in another uh, serious finale that sucks. <laughs> so, and Jerry, I don't know if because we know Jerry's not a good actor. Jerry's reaction is really funny to that joke. Yeah, what he did. Um, uh, so it looked like he I was have surprised. it on my DVR. I haven't watched it yet. He he must have seen it in rehearsal. Um, somebody did say that I was reading an article from Bill Sheft, who is a famous writer on the show, and he said that like last second she didn't like her jokes that. Some assistant wrote that line for her. But I think uh, he seemed like really surprised. I don't know if Jerry's a good enough actor to like feign annoyance to pull it at off. That joke. <laughs> so we'll never know. Was he annoyed? I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, I just put it on the list. <laughs> that's like a reasonable, that's actually a question that, that would be worth asking him, but not in like two years because okay. he won't remember. But if we speak, <laughs> we'll to him, we speak to him for next, for the movie next week, I think that's a good question. To ask. Yeah. By the way, next week on the podcast, uh, it is going to be pretty close or as close as we are going to get to our one year anniversary of doing the podcast. The first episode of the Seinfeld post show recap was posted on June 8th, 2014. Wow, that's really. Uh, and so we're going to have done 54 episodes in a year. That's really yes. uh, that's a good pace. Yes. The Seinfeld Recap Podcast is going to turn one next week. We also did the Akiva's uh, Serial and Must See TV Countdown episode. Right. So that's a lot of podcasts in one year. Yeah. We did pretty um, good. I don't think we did. We take yeah. a week off. I think we took uh, maybe two weeks off the whole year. Yeah. Pretty good. So th that's, uh, you know, on that, that pace, I think we're looking at like August or September 2017. <laughs> if we keep this pace up for finishing. We'll have to have a big party. We'll, 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 that should be another podcast, but we should start planning 
what oh yeah party well, is going to be. It. I mean, I think we have to start planning that now. I agree, but yes, <laughs> something something big will have to happen. Yeah. Besides doing the obviously, we're going to do the finale live from Mendy's, but other than that, <laughs> coming to you live from Mendy. But again, I think we said this is not going to be approved by Mendy's. We're just going to sit there. Like if people want to come watch, they could watch us. But we're going to like get a table. Yeah. You know, with the menus, order something, and we're going to, you know, pull out the podcasting equipment. Home of the best swordfish in the city. It's there's no the swordfish at Mendy's. <laughs> well, there's not. It's, it's, you, they keep kosher. <laughs> it's like uh, it's a mistake in the, uh, in the, in the show. <laughs> oh, no. We'll have to reschedule it. Well, you just get the soup. It's the best. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is the best. Okay. It's not a meal, though. Well, we'll go somewhere else for dinner afterwards when we're done with the podcast. Okay, fair enough. All right. So well, I'm on the Kenny Kramer bus store. Coming to you live from the Kenny Kramer bus store. We'll do Reggie's. Oh, Kenny Kramer would love to be involved in this. He, he's already in. His schedule, I asked him, and his schedule is clear for September 27th. Our podcast finale, we're going to be, it's going to be a shot for shot recreation of the Seinfeld finale. And then everybody that we've ever talked about on the show is going to come on and testify against us. Against us. The last, uh, whatever uh, we we actually have to look back at like the first words we said, and again it was probably the first podcast podcast ever did. So I'm sure it was I'm pretty you know a lot of hemming and hawing and ums. Yeah, but that's gonna be uh, that's you know that's that's how we're gonna have to go out the way we came in. Okay, all right. So let's anything else uh, news related? Are you ready to jump into the pick? Oh, yeah, I think that's good for this week. Why uh, we're what we're 20 minutes into this and we haven't touched touched on the episode yet? Well, we could we, we haven't can do it. We, we haven't we picked or scratched the surface yet. Uh, that's right. But I think, I think we can fly through this one. Okay, here we go. Uh, let's get to uh, the pick. Of course, uh, this episode is from season four, episode 13, aired December 16th, 1992. Did we have a Christmas episode already? Um, no, I think there's only... No season well, no, three Christmas No, we did Christmas have a tangentially Christmas I think because I remember saying that there are only really, I think, two Christmas episodes in the whole series. Yeah. And again. December 16th, if you're a real show, and again, the show wasn't popular, the, the show doesn't take off, uh, actually it takes off in a few episodes when it gets um, put behind the last few episodes of Cheers. Mm -hmm. That's going to come later in the fourth season. But if you're airing a show December 16th uh, in television, that's like not really a great sign. <laughs> like that's a burnoff. That's like kind of a burnoff spot. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the episode was where uh, it was. Oh, Red Dot. Red Dot was the episode. Red Dot. We uh, Festivus about. is a holiday episode. Yeah, but I'm talking about what we talked about so far. So this oh, yeah. Is the yeah. And then there's really Seinfeld only like one more. Christmas holiday uh, era episode. All right. So they, they don't really overdo it other than it's Elaine's uh, Christmas card is being passed around. Uh, yeah. And who knows if when they film this, if they even know that it was going to be that close to Christmas. Yeah, I think they knew because I think that they were like trying to plot this, you know, you know, week by week. And they, they sort of had a good idea of what was coming on. It was the last show before whatever hiatus they went on and come back. And like, I bet the next episode we do is going to be like in late January or whatever from season four. Yeah. And uh, the, the episode was also written not just by LD, but by friend of the podcast, Mark Jaffe. Oh, very good. I hope he's home from Mexico safely. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's jump into talking about uh, the pick. And Jerry starts off his stand up talking about how modeling is counterproductive because everybody's distracted by the women and nobody's paying attention to the clothes. Yeah, I'm not a big I'm not a big like uh, fashion fan. I don't I don't see a ton of value. Really? In it, so I hear what he's saying. Yeah, I'm very surprised to hear that, Akiva. Yes. <laughs> I know that that comes as a shock, but you I, can I, I don't knock know, me just, over with a feather right now. It just seems like like a whole <laughs> pointless endeavor. Like I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't understand like 
what is fashion week and why are they just like walking around and why do people want to be in the first row? Like I would pay not to be there. Why are these people like lining up and checking people? And like, just because something looks good on someone who's six foot two and is being paid to model it, like doesn't mean it's going to look good on you. You could design something that these women would look good in. Yeah. And yeah, of course. But they're also not built like 99.9% of the population. Mm. The whole thing doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Okay. Well, it's going on. Jerry doesn't understand it either. Okay, so this episode to me was sort of an interesting uh, bookend for me because I also happened to watch this week the Leaning Susan video. Oh, yeah. So, right. I had seen it last week. So what did you think? Well, for me, it's just really interesting because in the Leaning Susan, it's almost (laughs) in some ways a similar plot where George isn't with Susan and then Susan, he's trying to get back with Susan where the leaning Susan is, and, and that's the video that people made. Where, where, would they, where did they make that? Was that out here? Or was that in New York? I believe it was the, in the New York UCB. Okay. Where they did a Seinfeld episode where Susan comes back from the dead and George is trying to get out because he said that, you know, it's, he doesn't mind that she came back from the dead, but the relationship shouldn't have come back from the dead. And then he's trying to get out of that relationship, which has come back. This episode is he's trying to just get back into the relationship with Susan. Did you like the leaning Susan? I thought it was okay. I mean, I, first of all, the actors were pretty like decent in terms of how much they looked and sounded like the, the uh, you know, their counterparts. Yeah, I, I could I, really I, critique it. I, I, I applaud the effort. I thought Elaine was, Elaine was really good. I thought that Jerry was a little bit too Jimmy Fallon doing Jerry. I thought that Kramer was bad. I was out on Kramer. And George, I felt like was yelling too much. Yeah, the George was good though, I think. But I hear what you're saying. It, he wasn't so much of an actor. Yeah, Kramer was probably the worst of the bunch. Elaine was really good. She was also like way too tall, like it was distracting. Um, <laughs> and she was like way taller than all of them. Uh, yeah. the Susan was good, but she, Susan you was know, good. Yeah. I, so you wouldn't be interested in having like the director from the Leaning Susan on. Um, that would have to be an off season show. There's no off season, Rob. We okay. go 52 weeks a year. And also, just in terms of the actual script of the Leaning Susan, and again, we're really like you know, horrible people that these people work very hard on this, but I would say that too much time on the Kramer storyline, which I felt like was the least interesting of all of them. I didn't think that the leaning Susan was that funny of an idea. Uh, No story whatsoever for Jerry. It's just like one of those episodes where everybody else has a story except for Jerry. Jerry's just like waiting around for people to come back into the apartment and talk to him. Um, And yeah, otherwise it was it was it was fun. It was fun. Yeah, but. it was. I didn't want to shut it off. I thought it was a worthwhile watch, and the com- the fake commercials were pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And also, um, they should have had a Newman. I'm surprised they didn't get a fake Newman. Yeah, I feel like Maybe, and everybody looks like him. I feel like if if you're in that world already, where you're going to go there, where you can make the fantasy Seinfeld episode, anything can happen in your Seinfeld spec script, where you're bringing Susan back from the dead. I felt like they were a little bit pedestrian in what, in what they attempted. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, what did you want to hear? Like what happened after they got out of jail? Right. I mean, you could have had the soup Nazi come in and, and I mean, you could have just put together, you know, key and then, Oh, here, Oh wait, it's Keith Hernandez. And you know, you could, you could have, you know, there was no limit to what you could at the point where you're bringing Susan back from the dead. You could have done anything. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's interesting. Like, Framer with this again, Rob, sharper this image. Right, okay. <laughs> it was the- There's going to be 179 more of that. <laughs> oh, okay, I don't want to burn that soup Nazi in episode one. Yeah, I will say then, for if that's the case, then it was better than the actual pilot of Seinfeld, uh, Good News, yeah, Bad News. that's fair. 
Yeah. <laughs> so they did a better yeah, job. I think yeah. it was good. I, I thought it was a solid B plus. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's talk about this where George is on the couch talking about how he needed to be with Susan. He loved her. He loves Susan. I think absence uh, makes the heart grow fonder. And Jerry was like, no, you didn't. He said, and she loved me. <laughs> no, he did not. And Elaine, I think, also yells from the bathroom. She's like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't even like her. I think it's the type of thing where like George is so lonely, doesn't have a girlfriend. And he thinks like, oh, it would be great if I had a girlfriend. And I used to have one. What went wrong? But he forgets like she's just really deplorable and, and you know, not worth the effort. Akiva, have you ever had a friend who's gone through something like this? Who's broken up with a girl who who like he didn't like, but then afterwards he is mm -hmm. uh, despondent. You know, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have one friend who every time he breaks up with a girl, um, he talks about her nonstop for six months. And like one of them, <laughs> like one of them, like almost had to get a restraining order. No joke. Like she said, like, do not email me again. <laughs> do not call this number ever again or we're going to have a problem. Yeah. Uh, so it's like it's really uncomfortable because. Like when he was with the person, you're like thing like, oh, I hope he doesn't marry her. I hope he doesn't marry. Her. And some of your friends, uh, I'm sure you had this too. Like some people, you know, like you had that and then they married the person. Mm -hmm. No, you never like I, I think this, I'm pretty sure this comes up on in Seinfeld. I, I think we've already had this happen where Kramer was dating a girl and, you know, Jerry and Elaine talked about how terrible she was. And then Kramer got back together with her and then he was mad at them. Yeah, that's right. And and I mean, that's happened to me in real life. Also, I told one of my friends like, oh, man, you really dodged the bullet. Yeah, don't do that. And then, he, and then he got back and then he married her. So it like it, best to keep your mouth shut about most of these things. Yeah. But I there it is. This is a real life thing. Like my one friend who I who I mentioned, like he will stew for nine months, even if they were like a disaster, even if they had nothing going for them beforehand. Then it's like the second he's out, out of the relationship, he like, you know, in his mind, he puts them on a pedestal. <laughs> All right. Well, George is going on and on and on about how much he loves Susan and what he's going to do now. Um, how do you like how George describes what he will do now for the rest of his life? First of all, that sounds like uh, a dream. <laughs> right. What does he say? He talks about how he's just going to sit in his disgusting apartment uh, with no underwear on watching basketball. Right. Yeah. Do you think he meant like just shorts and no underwear or literally nothing on? I can't imagine that he would be, he's not a nudist. Like, I can't imagine he's just walking around his house with no pants on, right? Yeah, it's Watching just basketball. Like, sure. like, yeah, and also, like, you're sitting on the couch. That's not a great look. Again, now, George's mom did say he could sell out Madison Square Garden doing uh, certain things that have involved no pants on, but I can't imagine he'd be watching basketball walking around his house performing. No, I don't think so. I, I think, I think of his he's domain. Just, I think he's just wearing like uh, just shorts because he's too lazy to go do laundry downstairs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Jerry and George have, you know, Jerry is very funny in all these interactions with George. And, and George says, why? What do you do when you have no underwear? And Jerry says, I do a wash. It's, it's probably the whiniest Jerry voice of the whole series. <laughs> all right. So... Anyway, George is like going on and on and on. Elaine suggests that she goes and sees a therapist, her friend who's a therapist, who is very interestingly in perfect timing uh, for this person to come back. The woman's name is Dana Foley. Yeah. Is that Dan Foley's wife? Yeah, this is one letter away from Dan Foley, who is Elaine's friend. Um, now, interesting that Elaine has another friend who's a therapist. Now, George 
calls this out and he's like, I'm not going to go see that, that nut job, you know, Dr. Reston. No, not Dr. Reston, a different person that Elaine knows that's a therapist. Yeah. When Elaine's not hanging out with the uh, gang, she's really working in like a higher class of society where everybody's a therapist. <laughs> everybody's a therapist. All right. So Tia, the model that Jerry met in the plane in last week's episode, the airplane, which of course you could hear on postshowrecaps.com. If you missed that one, she sent Jerry a Christmas card. Elaine is very taken with this sending the picture Christmas card. Now, Akiva, in 1992, I would imagine it was much harder to send out photo Christmas cards than it is in 2015. Uh, yeah, this is a big deal. I think people did it, but it probably was very expensive. And it was probably like a production. And then you had to go to, I don't know, maybe like Macy's did it for you or something. Like you went there, you took pictures and they put them, they had some deal and they put it on a card. Am I making that up? I don't know. I honestly, I don't know how they would go ahead and do it because now you just go, you know, you upload, you take the picture, you upload the photo yourself. This is, you know, you got to go to Crazy Joe Davola's dark room or go to like one of these like places that like they develop the film and then I don't know how you get it on the card. Like the turnaround time that Elaine has for this is almost unfathomable that she's able to do this so fast. Yeah, I mean, but listen, she she does work for a publishing company. Maybe she has some hookups. I do think, uh, well, first of all, do you do Christmas cards? Uh, I have done them. I don't always do them. And now, you know, it's the, you know, now it's just going to be a picture of the baby. Boom. You know, lo, you know, happy holidays. Sesternino's. We're but you're you're going to mail them out to like 200 people? Or are you just going to post it on like Instagram? <laughs> no, that well, my wife will send them out. I don't know. That seems like a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Well, that's Good why. Good thing I don't celebrate Christmas. Well, I, I, I like. I would never do that. Akiva, I tell you that you're a, you're a lucky man. Well, listen, there's a lot of things. I can't eat swordfish. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. I guess I guess that's fair. But uh, I tell you, uh, very you know, I have very great jealousy. Listen, you could join our team any minute you want. I feel <laughs> like you'd be back there in two seconds. Okay. Well, you know, I got to I got to wait out all of my relatives uh, if we're going to make that move. If you would, I feel like if you had gone to like the wedding I went to last night, you would <laughs> You would have just like, uh, no, back on the other team. Okay, I guess this is, I'm sort of like George. I'm sort of like, oh, if I only didn't have to fly in December and go to, oh, the, you know, <laughs> look now, what am I going to do? Every year I got to get by Christmas presents and all this stuff. And so, you know, I'm just, the other, the grass is always greener, I guess. Yeah, it's true. And you don't have to send out these cards. Like nobody, nobody's making you do that. I think they kind of make you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of this, Elaine is dating a religious guy. Yeah, this is kind of out of nowhere, Fred, right? right? Like, Fred, the religious like, guy. Why? Like, wh why? I don't even understand. Like, we meet him for two seconds. Like, is the fact that he's religious, like, so he objects to the nipple? Like, yes. Yeah. Really I mean, sense. it seems like they could have. That was just a little on the nose that he was just Elaine is dating a religious guy to send out the Christmas card. Is there something that would have been better uh, as far as who Elaine could have been dating that gets this Christmas car with the nipple? Well, let's say they had like never done anything yet. And so he had never seen her without her clothes off. And then like everyone saw it before he did mm -hmm. like because he didn't get the card yet or something. Is that too Does similar that what we're doing with the Virgin from the last episode? Yeah, probably is. Yeah. So but I, as I, that being said, it's still better than this. <laughs> yeah. This is just a little on the nose. Like it wasn't there. It wasn't uh, too creative. Uh, in terms of what it could have been. But again, off the top of our head, we don't have anything either. They're all, well, one, one of the things we've seen is that they are always trying very hard to the person who, and Elaine has a key story, but like that part of the story isn't really time consuming. So 
they're always they're trying very hard for the secondary characters to like give them something to do in every episode. Yeah. Okay. So there's a whole runner in this episode about Kramer wanting to eat Jerry's cereal, which I don't really think goes anywhere. There's even a deleted scene where Kramer's calling up at the phone wanting to know what cereal Jerry has. Am I am I missing anything? What? Why did Kramer? Why was he so obsessed with Jerry's cereal in this episode? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. And you're right. The deleted scene, which again is deleted for a reason. He keeps like he like calls up and asks for the cereal, and Jerry's like, "Just come in." But he's it doesn't really make any sense. But yeah, it's weird that like sometimes they'll mention a real cereal, but now they're talking about Double Crunch this whole episode. Yeah, I didn't hear Double Crunch on your list of top thirty-one cereals. Well, it's not even top fifty. Double Crunch. <laughs> what about Triple Crunch? There, there was like a couple more they mentioned that uh, in the uh, in the deleted scene that sounded interesting. <laughs> Twisties or something. Twistos. I think it was a Twistos twist. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Kramer comes in and he's looking for the double crunch and, you know, George is having these problems. Kramer says, listen to the little man inside. The little man is never wrong. I feel like George's little man is always wrong now. He's always wrong. And really, George is going to have success when he stops. He does the opposite of what the little man is telling him to do. That's right. That's coming. So I think I think George should be listening to like Elaine or Jerry's little man. (laughs) All right, so Elaine says that she's very taken with this picture that Tia took. And so Jerry is the one that says, oh, Kramer has photography stuff at his apartment. He could take this picture. Yeah, I mean, it's also fair. Like, Tia's going to look good in almost any picture. That's her job, right? That's right. So Kramer is going to take Elaine next door. He says to her, I don't know about that outfit that you're wearing. So again, <laughs> so what is she? Is she's going to wear one of Kramer's shirts in the picture? Yeah, I don't know. It's not so clear, right? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, like I can't, I wish they would have shown us at least like the like, you know, 10 feet away view of what the Christmas card was supposed to be. It was just like I don't Elaine. know if they could do I don't know if they could show the not and not just cuz the nibble. I don't think they could show it comedically, but maybe they could have shown like the setup for the picture. Right, of what was going on. Like it was just Elaine just like standing there in Kramer's apartment. I mean, we'll never know. Like, unless, unless, until we ask Jerry, we'll never know. Until we ask Jerry? Uh, that might be, is, is that a question for Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Yeah, I think that's for the Julia, the Dreyfus cast. <laughs> All right. Uh, Julia, how's it going? This is uh, Rob Sesternino and Akiva. We have a, uh, a quick question for you. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with us. Do you remember in the episode, The Pick, that you took a Christmas card photo? And in the photo, you were standing in Kramer's apartment. Did you talk about what the setup was of the shot and how the photograph was going to be posed on the Christmas card? Julia? Are you there? You think she's is she using the same phone as Jerry? <laughs> you think they just sold the show for Julia? like that? $180 million to okay. Hulu. They could afford uh, better phones. We'll get Julia back on the line and uh, ask her about, the, about this. Yeah, but that's a re- I mean, that, that is a reasonable <laughs> question, but I don't, I, don't think, uh, I don't think, you know, we'll ever get that answer. Yeah. In terms, in terms of how you could have seen the nipple, where, like, so she had to have been profile, right? Yeah. The, but the episode is also supposed to be called the nipple, but I, I think uh, that got, you know, NBC nixed that. Too controversial, right? So I'm just imagining in my head that it's a, so she's like profile. One of the buttons is, is open and the shirt is just sort of like, it's a big shirt and it's sort of hanging loose. I mean, the question is, I, that is she not wearing a bra in the, in the photo either? Yeah. Now that I think about it more, it is very difficult to do, right? Because like 
right, what could she possibly be wearing? Unless her shirt was just open. Like, or if she was like wearing some sort of like a low cut blouse where the nipple could come over the top. But in this instance, it would have to go from what they're talking about. She missed a button. There's no way. And it's not like with all due respect to Elaine, you know, it's not like that she is like uh, going to be having like this wardrobe malfunction where she can't keep everything that she has going on inside the shirt. You know what I mean? She's going to, I can't imagine the scenario where she'd have to be wearing this big shirt, missing a button and not wearing a bra. I mean, what was the, what were they going for in the photo? Yeah. And again, maybe, you know, the, the, later on, there are more females in the writer's room. Maybe uh, <laughs> Carol Leifer, somebody who starts the next season would have, uh, would have, you know, maybe had them explain it a little better. Yeah. I mean, if it was where she is like wearing some, like a bikini or something like that in, in the picture, you know, it's, you can sort of like wrap your head around how this happened. But I, in, in the Christmas card photo, I, this is uh, unfathomable. And I would love to hear any fan fiction theories about how this happens in the comments. So you're asking for fan fiction theories about how Elaine's yeah, not like that. penthouse forum type <laughs> theories of how this Keep happened. Keep it clean. Yes, but just from a practical standpoint, I don't really understand how this happened. All right. So George starts singing about Susan. Yeah, I mean, listen, this is what my friend does too. <laughs> and it's By really way, funny. This song, yeah. I actually found this song. Yes. It is, uh, it's, it's by Charlie Rich. It's called The Most Beautiful Girl. Yeah. If you happen to see The Most Beautiful Girl in the world, tell her I'm sorry. And Jerry's like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> and he must leave because that's the end of the scene. It is the end of the scene. Okay. We go to Jerry and Tia. And Jerry's talking about he might replace his whole bookshelf with a fish tank. Yeah, I mean, it's, they seem to have a good vibe going at this point. They're he vibing. really into Jerry. They're vibing. And he notices that perfume that she's wearing, it's The Ocean by Calvin Klein. And not only is she wearing it, she's also the model that's in the ad for it. Yeah, so she for sure gets it for free. Yes, absolutely. And so Kramer had that idea, the same idea that was brought up in the Pez dispenser. And so we hear right after Kramer is mentioned, you hear loud Kramer noises from across the hall. He wants to come in and he wants to borrow the dustbuster. Uh, why does Kramer need the dustbuster? I think he just realized that the model's here. He wants to get a better look at the model. <laughs> and why does Jerry keep the dustbuster in the bedroom? I mean, maybe just so Kramer doesn't find it. I guess so. And so Jerry works very hard to keep the two separate. It's a lot of funny physical comedy where like Jerry like puts Kramer up against the wall, moves Tia all the way to the other side of the room where he goes to get the dustbuster and then... Kramer's like, hey, how tall are you? Let's get back to back and see <laughs> how tall you are. Why isn't Tia in on this? Like, she knows that Kramer's going to have a problem with, uh, you know, with the cologne. Like, why, why isn't she backing off more? I don't know. It's funny because then Jerry comes out and he, like, pushes them away. And then Kramer's sort of like, hey, what's that smell? And Jerry, like, turns the dustbuster on. It's like dustbusting the air around Tia. It's very funny. They still make dustbusters? Yes. All right. I guess I've never, probably my wife used them. I've never used one. Yeah. No, my wife is big on the dustbuster. My wife is not big on understanding that the dustbuster fills up with dust and then needs to be emptied. Like, I think she thinks it's like magic that it all. Is just, that your job? You, you empty the yes, dustbuster? Yes. Vacuum, dustbuster, that none, that none of these things are uh, anybody else is capable of doing it. Oh, you, you know what? You know what's important? The dryer, the like the lint thing yes, in the dryer. Nobody else, nobody understands how this works. <laughs> 
Because I, I, th- I told you a couple weeks ago, my friend's house burned down, and that's what they think it was. Oh, my God, no. Well, the dryer caught fire, so I, I mean, they don't know what part of the dryer, but that's certainly an option. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna talk to my wife and tell her to listen to this podcast and, and listen 40 minutes, Robert, 40 first minutes of all, Robert, in. You mean listen again. I'm listen sure she's going to listen. Listen again. And pay special attention 40 minutes into the podcast. Okay. So anyway, Kramer leaves, and then Jerry's like, whew, that was close. And then you just hear Kramer yelling, the beach. Uh, yeah, I think so. Kramer's got a great nose. He really does. He figures it all out and he comes running back in and he says that, hey, this is the cologne that I invented. And she says it's the ocean. Kramer could have been a millionaire. He could have been a fragrance millionaire. Yeah. Is there any difference between a fragrance millionaire and a regular millionaire? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know any fragrance millionaires. Hmm. Okay. So we go to George and here's George with Dana Foley. <laughs> Which is just a lot funnier because if you are a Survivor fan, there was a guy named Dan Foley on this past season of Survivor, and he was a character. Um, but if <laughs> Dana, the Dana Foley story really goes nowhere. Nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. We do see Dana Foley again, but this, this uh, episode, it goes nowhere. Yeah, that George is just sitting there with his zipper stuck on his jacket, and he can't undo the zipper, and he just is sitting there. And Dana Foley is really trying to do it. Hey, don't, let's not think about that. Let's not worry about that. And it's, the zipper is just so stuck. Yeah, I know. It's also funny. Also, like if you think about it, he's going to a therapist, which I guess it's a lot cheaper then. But it's like a couple dollars a minute or something. And, you know, you're spending all your time trying to get your coat off. Yeah, but his mom was paying for it. This is back to when, you know, she said, I want you to see a psychiatrist back from the contest. And he's like, I'm not going to a psychiatrist. But for whatever reason, now at the point where he's upset about Susan and his mom's going to pay for it, he'll go talk about Susan with the psychiatrist. Yeah, his mom probably assumes that he's having much different conversations. <laughs> and not about his jacket. No, not about jacking it. Yeah. Uh, Whoa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and there's never been a more perfect time for a Freudian slip of when you accidentally talk about something in therapy that you weren't supposed to. That's right. Yeah. So Elaine is talking about with Jerry that, oh, she does charity work with Fred and yada, yada, yada. And she's talking about the Christmas card. And again, the turnaround on this Christmas card for 1992, it's like two days later. And the Christmas card, the photos have been taken. The photos have been developed. The cards have been made. The address list was ready to go. Elaine's assistant got the photos out. Boom. They've got in the mailbox. They've been delivered. I mean, how much time has passed from the first part of this episode to now, Akiva? It could only be a few days, but I think if you have the money to spend, it's, you know, this isn't like the 1800s. But does Elaine have the money to spend? I mean, in the first season, I mean, Elaine is like destitute. Yeah, but now she's got this fancy job. I guess so. she has an assistant now. But how many, I mean, tell me legitimately, how many days could there have been from the first scene in Jerry's apartment until now? I think maximum. Uh, I mean, it could. Is it possible it's a week? I guess it could be. I mean, you had to get the appointment with Dana Foley, and then we have her. So, maybe, okay, let's say it's a week later. Boy, seems like we missed a lot in a week. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 Luckily, it's, nobody's that... talking about anything that happened in the week that we didn't see. <laughs> I mean, that's another question. Like, what happens when they're not <laughs> between the episodes? Luckily, they're only talking about the things that we see in the episode. That's right. Right. It does seem because at the beginning, it does seem like they just got back from. Uh, you know, like his relationship with Tia hasn't really progressed anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it has to be pretty quickly after the airport. Although she does have his address and she mailed him 
uh, the Christmas card already. So it has to be a few days on that end. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. Anyway, so Jerry gets the Christmas card from Elaine and he opens it up and wants to know, did you look at this picture carefully? And uh, she wants to know why. I think I see a nipple. And truly like one of the more memorable uh, moments of the whole season. Yes. Now, what do you think about this? Did Elaine pick proofs with Kramer? Did Kramer just pick out the photo? I mean, how did they miss this? Well, this works to your theory that it was really rushed, right? That they didn't even have time to worry about the picture. Mm -hmm. So they took a few pictures. She picked the best one. I guess, you know, the fact that it was showing was very subtle. Uh, You know, this all happened uh, so quickly that nobody, you know, who's seeing it just at this point, it's just Kramer, who's a space cadet, Elaine, and the assistant. See, I would buy it more if that, you ever see like where, who was it, like Anne Hathaway or somebody was like on the red carpet and like she was wearing like something that was like sheer and then when the flash went off, you could, you could, uh, you could see like, what if they, if that was it? Yeah, but again, we're like imparting knowledge we have. We're so much smarter than they were then, Rob. Like, what if she was just wearing... so much more about that. Yeah, what, what if she was wearing, like, standing in front of a window or something, and she was wearing something sheer, and that's how you could, you could see. I, again, I just don't, don't know how the, the nipple got out. This is like the most advancement we've made as a culture in the last 25 years. <laughs> what? A better understanding of, of, like, how you could see someone's nipple. <laughs> <laughs> it's a subject that has been studied greatly. And so... Elaine sent the car to everybody and she's very upset. Yeah, I mean, that's like, they, she's like, I mean, she's, Elaine's not like a prudish person. No. Um, Her diaphragm she came out very, of the party. She dresses very, uh, you know, conservatively. Yes, she does. She does. She does not wear many things that you could possibly see a nipple. No. I mean, again, Jerry's not so excited. He's seen it before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, either people are very excited or not that excited. But a lot of these people these- are nonplussed completely. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So here comes Kramer. And so they show him the card and they say, Kramer, what do you see here? And he says, it's a nipple. And then he's like, does a double take. And uh, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, is this Kramer's fault? I mean, I don't know if it's anybody's fault. I mean, Elaine, I think it's Elaine's fault of that. She did not button the button on the shirt. I think that she has to like look at herself in the mirror and blame herself. Number one. That's fair. And also, if you're going to send out a Christmas card to a couple hundred people, like, I think you want to look and see, oh, do I have food in my teeth? Okay, uh, you know, is, is my fly up? I think there's, like... Also, like, she's taking it in Kramer's apartment, which is probably gross. Yeah, right. So, like, this, you want to see, like, maybe there's, like, garbage behind you. Right, the does Kramer like, have a bong out in the background of the photo or anything like that? that that's, what is, that's what he has out in the apartment? <laughs> I mean, would it surprise you? No, but is he really, like, a stoner, Kramer? It would explain a lot, especially how he keeps wanting to come back and get cereal. That's true. You think it's like, are we just picking up on this major, like nobody ever figured out till now? Yeah. Kramer's just a huge pothead. I mean, is there enough evidence? Is there a smoking gun? One, he needs all the Cuban cigars. Why does he need so many cigars? I mean, can you turn those into marijuana? I don't know. See, I'm going to sound like an idiot here. Yes. But can you turn those into marijuana cigars? Yes, you You can. can. You can. I've heard you can, Akiva. You heard. I, yeah, so I don't know. I, I, like it's I mean, good, he has you know. no job. He sits around. Yeah. He's watching, watching TV all day long. Um, you know, he's wearing like, you know, 50s clothes and stuff like that. Oh, do you think he maybe is like dealing it on the side? That's how he can pay his rent? Oh, that would make so much more sense. 
Oh my god! <laughs> I think we just solved the whole. Se- are we done? Is that it? We just solved the series. I think. I think so. Kramer was a weed dealer the whole time. It's Kramer, Elaine, Jerry, and uh, George. He's dealer? their drug dealer. <laughs> oh my god! Like that's wow. why they let him. That's why they keep him around. That's and that's how he knows everybody too. You think like Crazy Joe Davola didn't invite Kramer? Kramer didn't invite Crazy Joe Davola to the party because like he owed him money. That's possible. Also, wow! What a, what an alternate reality that we've created here. Oh, so now, like, does he really even have these brain injuries or is he just like really stoned? <laughs> He's self-medicating. <laughs> All right. So I think we should keep a lookout on this for the rest of the series. I think so. All right. So they go and they get Newman. Newman is the person who's going to be the judge on this. If he can see the nipple, then they have a problem. And so they get Newman and he comes in and they show him the card and he just says very plainly, your nipple is showing. Yeah, he's really, he's really like nonplussed about it. And so I also like, do you think did did uh, Newman get his regular rate to be in the show for ten seconds here? <laughs> I don't know what his rate was. I don't know how they how they. You know build I'm saying he's he walks in, has one line, and walks out. Like, are they paying him the same as if he has a real plot line? Yeah, Newman described himself like a designated hitter in the inside look. I feel like he's more like a pinch hitter. Like yeah, I don't know if he's a player. Fan yeah, I don't think he had that uh, analogy correct. Quite correct. Like he's sometimes he's just, some games he's going to play, give somebody a day off. You know, he's going to come in for one joke. But he's a spot starter. Yeah, the spot starter more so. He's Pat Mahomes. <laughs> I like zero people got that joke. All right, all right. So what? It's a nipple. Big deal, Akiva. Right? Yeah. I mean, Elaine, like she's embarrassed, but like she she's fine with Newman seeing it, which would be the last person I would want to see it. So. It's a little brown circular protuberance. Everybody has them. I do like this that when Jerry and Kramer just lift up their shirts, which is so unlike them. Also, it's funny. On the show. It's like funny. How many times do you see Jerry without a shirt off? I think whole... maybe three times maximum. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be like a sauna spot where he's in, right? Yeah. yeah uh, that's right. There are a couple sauna scenes, the gym, mm-hmm. trying to, you know, where he uh, we'll shaves track, we'll track his chest hair, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't like in the Hamptons when they're by the pool. He doesn't have he has a shirt on. I don't know if there's other people don't. But yeah, I get we'll track that. How many times we see Jerry without a shirt? Yeah. All right. So we go back to Dana Foley and George. They're fighting about the zipper. And uh, this is when George sees the Christmas card. Uh, yeah. And this is really the craziest thing in the whole episode. Oh, uh, what? That George didn't get the Christmas card? Yeah. How does George not get a Christmas card? <laughs> Elaine has 200 better friends than George. Maybe his didn't get there yet. It's very possible, like, because it's never really addressed. It's not like she, Elaine's like, oh, you know, I was annoyed at George. Did George move? Does he have a new address? Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe she sent it to his house and maybe Estelle has it and put it away. Oh, man, if Estelle she confiscated got that, it. Oh, she would confiscate that. No, he's in therapy right now. Yeah. All right. So Jerry is driving. And as he's driving, he is now. This is legitimately a scratch, right? This yeah, is not a pick. This is a scratch. The way they do it always bothered me because they should right. have showed you a worse angle. I remember this bothering me when, you know, even when I saw it the first time. They, they should have left it more like they do with many other things up to the viewer where they're really showing him scratch. But I guess maybe it works in the he's sense innocent. that you're, he's innocent. You're behind the, the hero of the story here. And evil Tia, who, again, they don't really make so evil. So maybe this kills our theory. Is, you know, but again, he, he did not. Maybe... They thought the the audience would not root for a nose picker. See, I think they should have had the uh, cojones to let it be a pick and not just a misunderstanding. 
That's interesting. I do think like, does Jerry never come back from that? Like now he's just labeled a picker for the rest of the series. We had an episode two shows ago where our characters had a contest of who could go the longest. Yeah, but Jerry did great. Jerry's the hero. He's got to win or come in second in that contest. Yes, but we but we can't see Jerry pick his nose. Well, we're going to we're going to not root for Jerry anymore if he picks his nose in the car. Are you this grossed out by nose pickers? Um, we as a society like uh, lightened up towards nose pickers in the last 25 years? I think I could get over it. You would, would you not date a woman? You're on like a second date and you see her. Maybe she thinks you're not looking, going in for, uh, for uh, a dig. And, and is that it? Are you, are you over her? I think that she could bounce back from that. She could bounce back. Like if, if anyone could bounce, what, was it, it was it enough, Tia? Yeah, enough. I think I can get over it. If I was on the but, fence already, maybe this could push me over the fence one way. And, and maybe but, for Tia, maybe Jerry was like, uh, she was like, oh, I'm like, on yeah, the fence maybe. about this guy. And, and and again, Tia probably doesn't have a hard time picking up fellas. Right. It's like Jerry's funny, but he's not. I mean, right. he's, he's, like he, she might be out of his league. Even this might be like entirely she, that she saw his apartment and was like, eh, okay. That's true. Like, he made the fish joke. Maybe she's like an animal rights person. He said he was going to flush the fish down the toilet. Yeah. I mean, she might have just been on the fence about Jerry and this pushed her over. Yeah, because she doesn't really seem like... She seems more, like, annoyed when he goes and tries to get her back later. Yeah. Because Jerry, I mean, if you look at this from Tia's point of view, here's this guy who's, like, now become, like, a stalker and is, like, showing up at her job. And here's this, you know, nose picker guy that has, like, a crappy apartment and wants to kill fish and, you know, isn't even that hot or or rich or anything like that. Now this guy is like stalking her. Like she's met him in first class and that was probably a misrepresentation where she's like, hey, this guy's flying first class. He's a wealthy guy. Then she saw yeah, his she crappy thought apartment. He was a big time comedian. Maybe she saw him on the Tonight Show right, recently. Right, right. You know, I think she probably thought he was better off to do than he actually was. Yeah, that's not a, that's actually a good point. Yeah. And you know, she's, she's this up and coming model. Like maybe she's about to make it big. Right. Maybe she hasn't quite yet. So she's and then she like sees this guy picking his nose at a, a stoplight and was like, all right, I'm out. I'm out. What are the odds of pulling up next to like uh, someone you're dating and I'm in light in Manhattan? Yeah. Um, Not great. Yeah. And would the odds increase or decrease in 2015? Would she be in an Uber? I mean, either way, I don't think it. I, I think the, you know, the car it is just incredibly unlikely. Like you could go. You could live in Manhattan in like the same neighborhood as someone you know and Never not see them, not run into them accidentally right. your whole life. Right. All right. So they do that scene very well with the pick and the scratch. And then he sees her. They, they lock eyes. The car drives away. It's very well done. And he's like, no, no. I mean, this is really like an iconic moment. This is really one of the, you know, the more famous episodes of the whole series. Yeah. It was a scratch. All right. So Jerry and George are back together in Jerry's apartment. And I really like how George is like, Jerry, come on. You can tell me. It's me. It's me. Was it, was it a pick? Yeah, I love, I love when Jerry turns the tables and asks him what I just asked you. Like, you wouldn't break up with someone over that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and George's like, no, of course I would. That's gross. <laughs> yeah, I think it, depend, it would depend on the person. Yeah, I mean, maybe he'd break up with her, but then he'd immediately re- regret it. Right. If this was a real catch, um, I would say I can, you know. I could move on with that. How much of a catch could it be if it was dating George? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, he does date some very attractive women. Yeah, he does date out of his league. I mean, even Susan's way out of his league, even if she's annoying. <laughs> We're dead, like in the leaning <laughs> Susan. 
Yeah, she wasn't actually in, in that episode. She's not really out of his league. She's kind of gross looking. Yeah, she's in his league in that episode. Okay. So <laughs> when we're talking about, was there any nostril penetration? Yeah, they're really getting away with a lot here. Yeah. And so I guess that is the definition of, you know, a pick or a scratch, right? Yeah, I think, I, I mean, think, you know, the show takes great pains to show that his finger is not in his nose. It's around his nose. It's like being around it. But I, yeah, I think that's the definition for sure. Ironically, when in an earlier episode, the subject of what is the definition of sex is brought up, um, we our characters struggle to define that. But a nose pick, we really we have that down. Wait, Rob, we could tie this together. Do you remember what Jerry's answer was? Kissing. No. Well, no. Somebody said kissing. Jerry says when the nipple shows. Yes. <laughs> so it was nipple. just foreshadowing. They had this whole series. I don't know if you know this, Rob. It's like lost. It was planned out from episode one. Yes. And Every episode. Yes. And I believe my answer when we talked about that was penetration was my definition. That's right. So here we go. Everything is <laughs> it's tied, all tied back together. All right. So they, <laughs> there's a little bit of talk of Moses. Uh, was that a, a broken commandment? Thou shalt not pick. And do you think that Moses picked his nose? I don't think so. You don't think so? No, nah, I mean, I, do, I wonder. Well, let me ask you a question. Do you, well, you think, live in the desert now, right? Yeah. And, and, do, and like, yeah, and, and I'm certainly familiar with Moses, but I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to impugn him. Do but you I, want I do marriage? No, definitely not. But first of all, um, I, I do wonder if nose picking only became something like maybe it was fine. Like maybe it was like the same thing as sneezing. Like, oh, you have something in your nose, get it out uh, until like 100 years ago. And now it's considered gross, but back then it was like a perfectly normal thing to do. Is that possible? Mm, I guess it's possible. I, I just, my question is, what are you supposed to do if you have something in there? Well, or is it you were allowed to pick your nose, just not in front of polite company, which is what Jerry was trying to do. He didn't know that, you know, his girlfriend would roll up next to him in the next car. He didn't know. Okay. All right. So Elaine comes in and she's talking about how bad she has it now with this Christmas card. At work, people are calling her Nip. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like HR would be all over this in 2015. Oh, they would shut that down. Well, would they she would be? Shut that down. Would she be fired for what she did? I was once at a, at a job and someone like made a joke about razzing the new guy. Yeah, and and like the boss was like, yeah, he shut that down so fast. He was like, he's like, everybody listen up. Mm. It will not be any razzing. This is 2015. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> Elaine is being called Nip. Fred hasn't been calling her back in three days. And just like Tia hasn't been calling Jerry back. And George wants to know, hey, everybody got a Christmas card. How come I didn't get this Christmas card? Yeah, and right. So she doesn't answer it. You know, so to, to say what we were saying before. Yeah. She just, uh, you know, she just uh, gets right into it here. Yeah. She basically just like uh, says, hey, you want a Christmas card? Here's your Christmas card. And she just like takes his head and motorboats him. And really, the way his hair is messed up, I, I have like 10 stars in my notes here. Uh, this is the joke of the episode. Oh, sure. This is, you know, really, this is the most even, you know, even more than the nose pick or whatever. This is really the funniest, the funniest scene in the episode. And, uh, you know, a little like a little funny, a little maybe over the top racy for, you know, 92. But uh, listen, it's hammer time. <laughs> it's hammer time. And what we find out from the inside look is that that joke was not in the script. No, and they were talking about how they can like improvise a little bit, like even you know the big Punch three who don't write. Yeah, they could uh, they could throw things in like that in there. Yeah. All right. So we have Kramer coming back that he wants more cereal. 
wants more double crunch. Again, I don't know what is going on. Kramer must be really baked in this episode that he needs all these. <laughs> and that's why he's always looking for munchies. Yeah, I mean, double crunch does seem like a stoner food, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he was so high, he didn't see the nipple in the picture. And so uh, Elaine is wearing the ocean and his senses are heightened too. That's how he's able to smell the perfume. Yeah, I mean, he has a great sense. I think he has only like two of the five senses, but the ones he had or he has are very strong. Yeah. All right. So they say that maybe she's uh, on an appointment. Maybe that's why Tia hasn't been calling him. So they call up the agency and they find out that, no, she is in town and she's actually at Calvin Klein right now. So Kramer and Jerry are heading over. So if you call up like a model agency and you say, is so-and-so there? They'll just say like, oh yeah, come on over. She's here. That might be a 1992 thing. Um, yeah, I, don't, I, I feel like security should have been a lot better at Calvin Klein. Yeah, maybe there was an incident between uh, then and now. And that's why they shut that down. All right. George and Susan are in the diner. Again, George is very upset about Susan and Susan needs to find somebody more stable. And really, if you were going to go back and look back at the life of Susan Ross, I think you'd go back to this conversation and say, this is where it all could have gone differently. Well, yes and no, because they really do break up at the end of this episode. Like we see Susan... Uh, twice more. The, again, the next time we see Susan, she's a lesbian. Okay. I right? said this and wasn't then, that. And then big we a see deal. her react to the finale, and then we don't see her again until they get back together and get engaged in season seven. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, yes, obviously, if she's turning down George here, he probably never thinks about her again. The show's going to be over soon. Uh, you know, and and you know, she'll be completely out of mind. <laughs> right. uh, just the fact that she's entertaining it I think is troubling right it's troubling and George says that he is a rock and says that he's just like a rock he puts glasses on he takes his glasses puts them on the napkin holder and says oh look there's Costanza there's that rock and she says the people don't change and this is something that gets touched on a lot in Sopranos and Mad Men and all sorts of different serialized dramas Akiva do you believe that people have the capacity to change I do. I do think people change, but I think more when they're younger. Like if you think about yourself when you were 21 and then you were 30, like you thought you had all the answers, but you were an idiot then. And now you probably think you know what's going on. And maybe you do. Again, we're at the stage in life where we're pretty sure we know what's going on and we're able to look back and think we're how dumb we are then. But maybe when we're in our 40s, we'll realize, oh, we didn't know anything when we were our 30s either. Yeah. Okay. But short answer. Yeah. People can change. Yeah. What do you think about uh, Jennifer Lawrence for the title role in Back in the Future? I, I think she's too, too big. Listen, it, it's going to cost a lot of money. Like we're spending twenty right. million dollars. So she's going to gonna want. Right so, she wants something. Yeah, she wants something. Oh, she's going to want a piece and points. Yeah. Also, forget it. Forget. It. Okay. All right. Good, I mean, it's a good. I do like that you're thinking. We about missed. This. We missed her window. We need a time. We, we this, need to we go done back. This podcast five, five years, years ago. ago. Yeah. If think, only well, if we had done this podcast five years ago, I feel like it would have been. Uh, it would have been something. Yeah. And we would have had the 30-year tie-in also. I feel like I wonder if the, the ship might be sailed also. Well, but maybe, what, five years ago? No, now. now. I feel like, yeah, five years ago would have been perfect. Perfect? Yeah, but I don't know if we would have thought about it. Yeah. Ugh. So if you had a time machine to do one thing, would you go back and do this podcast five years earlier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be it. That'd be your thing. Number one. Number one list. What would be your thing? What would be your thing if you had a time machine? You could change one thing without some sort of butterfly effect. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that I like. 
would not want to change anything. That's the thing I'd be I'd be scared of because I like was thinking about this recently where like if I had the chance like to change where if I won Survivor or anything like I I wouldn't cha- I wouldn't change anything because then I'd feel like that my my kid wouldn't be alive because I changed the past. No, but there's no butterfly effect. Like most things are the same. It's just one event. But you know what also like in terms of losing on these shows like we that's who we are. Like we're Mets and Jets fans, right? Mm-hmm. Our identity is as a loser. Like, if we ever won, it would really ruin our whole thing, right? Like, I wouldn't know how to react if your team won the chip. What do you, like, high-five yourself and then you, like, go on with your day? I don't know. Like, I'd rather complain about Carlos Beltran not swinging at the third strike what's now nine years ago. Like, and I'm going to complain about that for another nine years, you know? Mm. So the same thing with you and Survivor. Like, I feel like the... Then I wouldn't the, have that. The agony of losing sort of builds more character than, like, the thrill of victory. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I just feel like, oh boy, I like. I feel like if, if I change anything, that I feel like then I wouldn't want my kid not to be born. I feel like your kid's getting born. Yeah, because in Back to the Future, like, I mean, that's the ultimate test of that. All three of those kids, like, there's no way that oh, they would have been like, uh, like George McFly and his wife would have had sex on those exact same three days, and you know, there's no way. Well, of course, but we're we're saying like this alternate alternate universe where you're just like modifying one thing but it doesn't really alter the course of history okay unless your one thing is altering the course of history like, i don't know <laughs> i don't know um so let's go back to you know george and susan and george says that no people do change that his whole life he hated soft-boiled eggs and then recently he had a soft-boiled egg and now he loves soft-boiled eggs and he's dipping his toast in soft-boiled eggs all the time I mean, all right, so he's, he's correct. People can change. <laughs> she says, George, but I'm not a soft-boiled egg. Right, and he says, I'm not a piece of toast. <laughs> yeah. which, I, I, which is like a, fun, it's like a funny line, but it's like so outside what they normally are doing on the show. <laughs> but he's like very sincere when he says, I'm not a piece of toast. <laughs> this is kind of like an out-of-place. It's funny, but it's like an out-of-place <laughs> And so, and then George goes on to this whole big thing about Louis Pasteur and his wife, and they didn't have anything in common either. Because Susan says we don't have anything in common. He says, but Louis Pasteur, he was out there with the with the milk and doing everything with the experiments and pasteurization. And his wife, we, you know, she was just back in the house killing cockroaches with boots on both hands. Yeah, it's funny because when we were kids, like I always remember like having discussions <laughs> with my friends, like, do you want to have stuff in common with your wife? And I feel like <laughs> at least wow, nine you, of, out of what you guys sound like, like nine a, out of like, ten of like my a lot friends of fun. Like, don't have anything in common with their wives. No, <laughs> yeah, Do you have I, anything in common with your wife? No, no. She you, was like, she, you want your wife to be a podcaster, also? Now, well, she does do a podcast with me, but no, but yeah, she but was with you. She's not like on her own in the basement doing podcasts. She was the first the the first person I found that could that could stand to be with me. Right, that's what you have in common, is that you like to- at least one of you tolerates the other person. And even that's changed. <laughs> right, I think at the time. Like, we don't even have still- that in common anymore. Right, you're, you're, working, you're working based on what used to be when you first met. You're right. still like reliving the good old days. But like, you don't want your wife to like, could you imagine if there was someone who like cared? Would you want your wife to care as much about the Mets as you did? Yeah. You know, you like, know she'd it- never get anything done. <laughs> I said this to her recently. I said, you know, I feel like we don't have anything in common, but I feel like that what's good is that we both we both really like our kid. 
And uh, I thought that was like a sweet thing that I sit there like, and I said, and that's, that's, I think that's really nice that we have that in common. And How'd she that got go over. Not good. Not good. Yeah. She, I she got mad. That went, went over well. Yeah. I thought so too. I thought she would like that. She did not like that. Well, you could have just said, yeah. What no, do you mean we I, don't have anything in common? Yeah, because uh, she would probably want to have That wasn't a common. nice thing to say. I thought well, it was a nice thing to say. Does she have something in common? I don't know. I don't think she wanted to hear that we don't have anything in common. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Who wants... I, there are people like who like traveling and they do that sort of thing together. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think like I'm just running through all my friends in, in my head. Like I, the, my friends who got married last night, they're both physicists. So they have like a lot in oh, common. Like Louis Pasteur and his wife. Yeah, that's right. But like nobody else understands what they're talking about. Like you ask him what, what he does for a living. And it's like, yeah. I don't know what particle physics is. So you have to have like someone to talk about that. But I'd say nine out of 10 people have nothing in common <laughs> with their spouse. And so Susan wants to know about Mrs. Pasteur. Why were there so many cockroaches? It's a good question. I mean, yeah, well, the milk from the milk from all the leftover uh, cake and I don't know cheese lying around or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And then George says, "Yeah, she didn't know anything about pasteurization. He didn't know anything. <laughs> he didn't know anything about uh, what's the word that she that he says to talk about uh, killing the cockroaches." Well, homogenization, and she doesn't know anything about extermination. <laughs> extermination. Well, fumigation. Fumigation. I <laughs> it, it's such a great line it's a little like overly scripted but sure. it is a great line yeah like, and it's actually something that maybe jason alexander thought of himself and it's just so random also it this whole scene is very random and i actually looked this up i believe that louis pastor's wife was also a scientist oh really yes i believe she also <laughs> i'm shocked that this is is this the first lie george has ever told <laughs> she actually worked on it with him okay anyway so uh let's go to uh tia is that calvin klein here comes kramer yeah, I mean, again, the security here, like in real life, Calvin Klein's secretary probably has a secretary. Mm-hmm. The security here is pretty lax. Yeah. And so anyway, that Kramer is in there and Calvin Klein really hits it off with Kramer. I, I mean, we really see throughout the course of the series that 95% of people love Kramer. <laughs> yes. You get to know He's him. The you, there's something about him. Yeah. Okay. So... From there, um, we're going to see uh, Calvin Klein talk with Kramer. Calvin Klein describes Kramer. He says he has an interesting face. He's very live, very graceful, very lean but muscular. He says, you're spectacular. Now, do you think he believes this stuff or is he trying to get him out of lawsuit mode? Oh, so either law. Oh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Where, in the next episode, do they pick this story up back up? Do we, do we see more about this? No, we're done. That's it on the beach. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if this is this sort of like when Kramer is suing Marlboro and uh, they he, they settle out of court where, you know, they sort of like, is this the thing where they settled with Kramer that they did a photo shoot with him? I, I do think this is essentially a settlement on in Calvin Klein's mind. Like, does he really need Kramer? No, but he's just giving him this, you know, freebie. So uh, Kramer will calm down. Better Calvin Klein model, Kramer or Bieber? You know, I love the Biebs. <laughs> 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 well, let me get that as a soundbite for next week's show who would you rather if you could <laughs> one person babysit your kids for a week you have, to, you have to go away would you let Justin Bieber or uh, or season four Cosmo Kramer babysit your kids 
It's a good question. I would right? say season four, Cosmo Kramer. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like he would be I very like low that, down that, on that's the. That's your uh, <laughs> that's your go to. Uh, would you let this person babysit your kids? Because I listened to you on the Survivor Roundtable on Rob on uh, reality TV for half ups, and I forget who you compared to. Was it Kelly Wentworth that you said? Uh, oh yeah, you, I, yeah. I said I don't <laughs> like her and she shouldn't be on the show, but she seems nice, and I would let her babysit my kid. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I, I guess that's that is my go-to thing. I'm always like always trying to find new babysitters. <laughs> well, I'm always here. I don't really ever need babysitters. I don't leave the house ever. I don't know where. <laughs> I went I to a wedding last night. My wife stayed home. There's no babysitter. Where? I was walking the dog uh, this morning, and I saw that somebody had like a poster up on a telephone pole that they were a, a, a babysitter. And I thought about it for a couple of minutes of like, uh, should I should I mention this to my wife that there's a I mean this looks like a nice person uh, on the. <laughs> Is that is that a crazy thing to do? Would you call somebody that was on a telephone pole? It's not crazy, but you'd need obviously you'd need more information. Yeah, uh, like wasn't there the thing in L.A. like last year where that some nanny moved in and she wouldn't move out of their house? I don't know. I that thought was like a thing. Yeah, I just like you'd have to that, Google like if it has her full name and you could Facebook her and see if you know see if she's normal and Google her and yeah. stuff. That would be fine, but uh, I'd rather just go through a service yeah. or something. Yeah, no, I just went through the whole thing. I'm like, why do I even want to get involved with this? Because then if the person sucks, then my wife is going to be, uh, why this person that you found is like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want any of that aggravation. And you're not going to get any credit. It's not going right. to be like, Rob, you found the best baby. You found her. You did this. <laughs> you did. Never going to get credit for that. Right. So forget it. It's it, generally it's not even worth the effort. Ninety five percent of the time. Yeah. All right. So let's go back to Jerry. Maybe, by the way, maybe Nicole shouldn't listen to this episode. This I'll tell her to skip this one. Skip this will be the one she skips. Yeah. So Jerry and Tia are out in the lobby of Calvin Klein. And so uh, Jerry is trying to plead his case with Tia. It was on the outer edge. There was no pick. There was no pick. I mean, Jerry's lucky he doesn't get arrested here. Yeah, he's really like she's doing a very good job of like not engaging. And he's really acting like a crazy person. Yeah, he really is. And again, this is, you know, the woman of his dreams, uh, potentially, and uh, slipping through his fingers, uh, which did not slip into his nostrils. Okay, Rob, I, I'm sorry I have to interrupt here. Peter Dinklage is the new Christopher Lloyd. Wow. That's good, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. It just popped in my head. I, I feel like I feel like we've got it. We, we're going to Universal tomorrow with this. I really think we have something. Wow. So Peter <laughs> Dinklage is the new is He's the new hot. Like, Peter yes. Dinklage will bring I don't even know if we could get him. I don't know if we could get him. Ah, that's good. Listen, this is a big budget movie. Like we're going to pay Dinklage. <laughs> wow. What do you think Dinklage's rate is right now? For Back what? in the Future? For Back in the Future. 15 mil. Oh, no way. See, he has a very limited range. Like he I mean, I guess he's busy, right? He's probably is doing that a short show. A lot. No. I it no. was like I you know, I'm saying like he's not getting calls every day because he there's only specific things he can do. And this would be one of them. Well, we're deciding that I think he he's be, the think, first lead on Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's getting of, fifteen like, like million. Twenty-four. This is a big. Rock. This isn't like some indie film. We're not making like Bob, Little he Miss Sunshine. Signed a seven-year deal for Game of Thrones before it was anything. I'm sure he renegotiated it. I'm sure he's the he's one of the hottest actors what's on. He, what's he pulling down on Game of Thrones? Ten episodes a season. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's making. What his rate it can't is can't be more than two million dollars for the whole season. For the season, I think you're wrong about that. Maybe three. I think you're wrong about that. I mean, well, like, no, there's no way. How, how much could they be paying everybody? There's like 25 lead actors. All right. Well, let's. I'm sure we'll, we'll get an answer for this. If not, so, if not I, in this episode, <laughs> then in in next week's episode. If if he on Twitter, somebody tweeted Peter Dinklage, ask him what he makes. I'm sure he'll answer. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, uh, our publicist was able to get Peter Dinklage uh, on the line. Uh, Peter. Oh, really? Uh, <laughs> hey, Peter, how's it going? This is uh, Robert Akiva. This is the uh, Seinfeld uh, recap podcast. Now, I know you never appeared in Seinfeld. Um, or have ever heard of it. Or have ever or have heard of Seinfeld. Uh, but we actually podcast about that. And in one of the tangents in one of the episodes, we were talking about a reboot of the movie Back to the Future. And we thought that you would be perfect to play Doc Brown in the reboot of Back in the Future. That's the uh, the name of the movie. Uh, would you do this film <laughs> hypothetically <laughs> for more? Uh, Peter? <laughs> Now, in this hypothetical, you need a girl to be the lead because I also have a good, I have a good male lead. All right, all right then we got to get back to this. I know, uh, Michael B. Jordan. Oh, okay. Friday Night Lights. I feel like he'd be good. I don't. That's know if the other old. way you have to go. That's the other way. It's either you either go with a you go with a woman or you have to go African American Marty McFly. Yeah, but I don't know. See if it's Dinklage, maybe it should be a woman. All yeah. right. Well, we, 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 maybe we're a little off track. And Michael B. Jordan, I think he might be too <laughs> be too old. He might be. He might be too old. But those you have to go. Those are the ways you can go. We're, maybe we should be casting agents. I feel like we're good at this. I mean, we're not bad, but I think it's easy to cast. You know, big big celebrities. I think it's uh, be harder to cast it with like no. Right, I guess nobody. we're. I guess it's like pretend. He's a twenty-eight. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, I think it's a little getting a little. Yeah, you're right. Getting a little. I'm sure we're, we, can, we we're, we're, did. We start the episode yet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jerry's stand-up is uh, he's talking about fashion and models. Uh, Akiva, have you ever been to a fashion show? Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, do you, have you ever been to a fashion show? Um, I'm trying to think. I, I've never been to a real fashion show. I feel like I feel like uh, when you were like really, you know, hot back in the day, you got some <laughs> offer probably. When I was lukewarm back in the day. Wait, wait, did you have an agent? No. You didn't have an agent? Nobody wanted so me. If someone wanted a call, they like they just spoke to you? They They'd just have to just you? get a hold of me, yeah. Did you, did you like mom take calls for you? No, and I didn't have my, my mom. I, I mean, the, the thing about being lukewarm in 2003 is that people didn't know how to get a hold of you if they wanted to. The only all they could they could call CBS. That would be the only, and then they would Facebook even. Yeah, and they would just hang and they would just say no, he's not interested and just hang up, hang up. So oh, you, really they, they wouldn't been, deal with it for you. Yeah, they, they what do they want that aggravation for? So maybe like maybe you got maybe you got offered like, you know, new the lead in something like Back to the Future <laughs> Back and you just you just missed it because they they said you're not interested. They yeah. just note. Yeah. I think that could have been it. That could maybe been. so maybe this is what what uh you know, if you had to go back and change one thing, maybe you get an agent in 2003. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they would have changed everything. Because your kid, like you get an agent, your kid is still here, right? Like there's no reason why your kid wouldn't exist if you had an agent. Mm, I don't know. I think you change one thing, you think you change everything. All right. So uh, let's go to Fred and Elaine. Now, interestingly, uh, Elaine's a religious boyfriend. Uh, that Elaine is like having it out with him at Pendant Publishing. Yeah, he just shows up to argue with her at work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And he's really pissed about it. Yeah, I mean, it, like, he, you know, good riddance to this guy. Yeah, he's terrible. And so here is Elaine's sister. Is this the sister in St. Louis that she just yeah, went so to go again, visit? Like, uh, the, the sister is mentioned a total of three times. We hear her name here, and then she's in St. Louis the next time. So I guess in terms of non-canonical siblings, she's the realest of, of the bunch. She's the real thing. And so she is complaining about how the nephew ha has, I guess, has taken the card and Elaine suggests they look under the mattress. A little creepy. It's his aunt, right? That's very creepy. <laughs> and then there's this moment where somebody comes in, one of the coworkers comes in and says to Elaine, hey, Nip, you need that manuscript or can I take it home? <laughs> but the guy that comes fired in... fired by the end of the sentence now. 
Yes. The guy that comes in, though, yeah. his voice is like dubbed terribly by Larry David. Yeah, it's a little weird, right? It's edited strangely. Like, is Larry saying it behind the scene and he's pretending to speak? Like, maybe he messed up his line. I'm not sure. I'm not sure exactly. But Elaine says, hey, stop calling me Nip. I thought at first maybe they thought of the Nip joke after. But, you know, she's responds, hey, stop, stop calling me Nip. So I don't know why they had to put Larry David's voice over that guy. Oh, but they, they, they've said Nip because she already said that everyone's calling me Nip at work, right? Yeah. Unless they dubbed that one in also. No, I don't think that they had dubbed in any of Elaine's lines. It's just, I don't know if that guy, like, they thought if Larry David was like, oh, I want to, you know, be the voice of that guy or what. Yeah, we really see a lot more LD. And no one would have noticed then because nobody recognized that guy didn't sign the release or what. I don't know what the problem was. There's a release? I think you have to have a sign a release to be on the show. Or the, the, yeah, like, but I feel like that's already been done. Like, he's an actor. You like, would think so. This but isn't maybe, a reality, it's not a reality show. <laughs> maybe. It's not like maybe. they're not going to blurkle at his face. Maybe they had to pay that guy if he has a line or something like that. I don't know what the problem was. I don't know why they dubbed him. You know how much money that guy lost then from not having the line? <laughs> it's a good line. Hey, Nip, you need that manuscript. Can I take it home? If, if, uh, if uh, Roger McDowell's making $12 for his one line every time it airs, this guy lost tens of thousands of bucks just getting cut out. Yeah. All right. So George is going up the stairs to Susan's house. He talked about how like he wishes he was going up to the stairs. Uh, they remind him. That, you know, you, didn't you say that going up the stairs to her house was like going to a cell? He's like, no, he loved it. He would give anything to be going up the stairs. Right. And this is a weird scene also, right? That you're just like watching them walk up the stairs. Yeah, but you're watching it. It's I think it's a good scene because I think you're no, watching, it is good. It's, torture. Just, it's, it's just like it's a little out of what we normally are seeing on the show. Yeah. All right. So we come back and see Kramer with the people from uh, Calvin Klein and uh, we see uh, Kramer in his underwear. Yeah, I mean, and Kramer says in the inside look that he was very uncomfortable, right? Yeah, he really was Michael Richards. And it wasn't so much about being in his underwear. It seemed more about, like, being in makeup. Yeah, but, I mean, the tidy whities thing, like, uh, you know, that is, that is like, a hard sell for some actors, probably. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. So he wasn't really uh, too into uh, doing this, I guess. Um, but they did say his buttocks are sublime. Sublime buttocks. Yeah. And this is when Kramer like tries to lean up against the wall and he ends up like just completely like sliding down the wall. And then you see like a big smear of the body makeup. Uh, yeah, you can't have, uh, you know, Kramer. I, like, do you think they use him again as a model after this? Mm, probably not. Now, probably. Was the body makeup in the fiction of the show? I guess. Why not? Like they put the makeup on him at Calvin Klein. That's a good question. I, I think it is. Okay. All right, because otherwise it doesn't make sense why there's all the body makeup on the right. wall. I mean, maybe it's, listen, it wouldn't be the first thing they ever missed. <laughs> all right. So then uh, starting to uh, wrap this up, we see uh, Jerry fighting with Tia and uh, he's talking about how he's really on a soapbox about this and, and uh, is yelling at her and saying like, and so what if it was, what if I did do this, but I'll never admit it. Are we not human? And basically does the elephant man. I am not an animal. Is that is that a direct quote from the movie? I believe so. Uh, let me just do a quick search, but I'm pretty sure that's like sort of the big line from uh, "I am not an animal." You've seen this film, Elephant no, Man? No, 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 no. But uh, I guess here's the, here's the clip from the the real Elephant Man. <laughs> there you go. 
not as funny as uh, Seinfeld. Uh, the Elephant Man. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a winner. We could remake that when we're done. When we're done with Back in the Future, four, five, and six. Uh, that, Bradley Cooper was just the Elephant Man on Broadway. I think. Oh really? Yeah. The Coops is too old for for our role. So I don't. Too think old. Really he's too old. And uh, he's he's in the, he's a tweener because he he can't he's not going to be considered for the Lloyd role. But he can't get the Fox role. He could straight. get the George McFly uh, in 2015. Yeah, but we're going to pay like eight figures for <laughs> no, Cooper to do that it. role. No, right. Forget it. You no. get like uh, you get like Giamatti or somebody for that. Mm, or someone bigger. You need a bigger guy, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, but I think then we want somebody that could play it. But I think we want like a young guy. We want to make him old. Oh, you mean oh, it's, it's the same? Is it the same actor in the movie? I don't even remember. Yeah, it is. It is like. I think we want to take we want to take like a you know a young hunky guy and then like I or he's not a hunk but like a younger guy that's like twenty and then we want to make him look like he's fifty in two thousand fifteen. What about Aaron Paul? Could you do like could you make Aaron Paul look old or no? I think the, he could the, be a jerk. The bigger problem would be to make him look young. I think. Well, he's 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 also a tweener, right? He's probably like in his thirties somewhere. Yeah, I think it'd be it'd be a hard sell to have him like as the eighteen year old in high school with Anna Kendrick. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Anyway, and then and he falls in love, and and this is like the where it's all it's different in this one. He falls in love with his daughter in this one. Oh right, right, right. you got to you got to reverse the roles. Yeah, we got to reverse everything. All right. Anyway, so and there's bullying that's happening in the high school. Oh, we're we gonna have like a message. Like, is this like a very special episode? Yeah, this is getting bullied in the, in the high school. <laughs> is it going to be like are the are like are the pro you know the anti bullying people going to protest the first day of the no, movie? No, no, that would it, be good publicity. It, 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 for no, the movie. Messy. I feel like all publicity is it would be, but no, it would it would be. Um, I mean, the bully doesn't get his way in the end, right? Right, so right. It's, it's not pro bullying. No, anti bullying. Okay. Anyway, so let's go back to Elaine. She's still fighting with Fred, and uh, she ends up yelling at him, and like he ends up storming off. She says, uh, "I've seen the nipple on your soul." <laughs> Is that also an elephant man line? I don't know what that's a line from. That's a weird one. That's a weird one. All right. And then everybody winds up back in the diner. George realizes as soon as he got back to Susan's apartment, he tells everybody he made a mistake and he thought of the ultimate way to get out of there. So when Susan went in the other room, he remembered the pick. Yeah, which is a brilliant, uh, you know, a brilliant, uh, like it's a stroke of genius and it works. I mean, they're broken up after this episode. Yeah. Now, this is a reveal, um, which is almost like a poor man's version of the marine biologist. Very poor man's version. Yeah. yeah. I think people don't even remember this from the episode. Yeah, but this is pretty good. And he says that when she came out, he was in there up to his wrist. Yeah, I think this whole thing, again, and we always talk about showing versus telling, and maybe they made the right decision here, but that, I think that would have been a funny scene to see. <laughs> like, George just picking away, and like, uh, and and maybe the show doesn't want to show picking. That's why they had him scratch. Like, George picking his nose away, and like, Susan kind of like avoiding it for a while, and then getting grossed out. Mm, yeah. Then we have Kramer come in and he has the Calvin Klein, I guess, magazine or whatever. He's on the cover of a magazine, which really doesn't make any sense. Like, I don't think that Calvin Klein has like, like Justin Bieber wasn't on the cover of Calvin Klein magazine or anything. Right. Like that. I mean, maybe he's like the insert is like an ad and, and that's what he is. I don't know. I don't know. But they're looking at the cover of the magazine. And then uh, Elaine says, uh, I think I see your and we go to like, I think they should have got out on the uh, the pick on George talking about he was in uh, up to his wrist. Yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't really work. I think it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't really add anything. The pick is funnier than this. Yeah. All right. And what what are we seeing of, of Kramer's in, in, in the Calvin Klein ad? 
I mean, I guess it could be anything, right? But uh, I, th- I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, they're leaving this up to the imagination. Yeah. I, I mean, were Kramer's whiteys not that tight? Oh, do you think this is a see-through thing? Like maybe the body paint or whatever, like, uh, you know, got through his whole body. I don't know. You know, it's funny. In the inside look, they talk about the story for this uh, this episode, the Christmas card thing, came from a guy who was, was it one of the writers or somebody where the, the writers knew a guy had this happen to him. And I don't even know how that's possible. And, and was that in a Christmas card? So talk about the mechanics of, you know, how this happened to Elaine. Explain to me the Christmas card this guy had. It almost makes me think like, uh, like it's a bunch of comedy writers. Like I wonder if it was on purpose, if the guy did it as like a prank. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. And then you send that to everybody. It's a real, it's a, it's a real uh, fast one you're pulling on everybody. Yeah, he really got great. He really got Nano over that bad with that one. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing I can think of is if you're like uh, either like um, maybe just like your fly is open. I can imagine you would see anything there, or if you have like one of these things where it's like everybody is taking a picture, like uh, like on summer vacation. But still, I, I don't know how. You, I don't know. How you, Seems implausible. Implausible. Right? <laughs> implausible. I would think. Unless you were wearing much like the real Dan Foley, you had like mantis on in the picture or something like that. Yeah, I, he may if this may have been this story also is non-canonical. And still and still even, but still with that. All right, Akiva. Anything else from 2015 to 1992 conversion? And then next up time we talk, we're gonna have to talk about uh the 1993 conversion. That's right. I, I think um you know, a lot of this episode, I mean, people still send Christmas cards. That holds up. I think, you know, you have a big problem with the with the turnaround time for the card. I guess that gets faster. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know what else. Like, Jerry puts up a big poll on Facebook, you know, <laughs> with the pick scratch thing. Like, I'm, I'm not sure exactly. Was yeah. it a pick? Most of this holds up. Yeah. And also the double crunch. I think the double crunch is out in, in 2015. <laughs> All right. All right, Akiva. Where do you put this in your rankings? Uh, yeah, so I really like the pick. Uh, there's a few really solid laughs in it, and I have it at, uh, number 33. Yeah. 33. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, you think that's too high? No, I think it's fine. Do you think this is the second best episode of the season after the contest? I would have to say that I think, I think so. I'd have to just see them, uh, real quick off the, the top of my head. But I think so. I think that this is the one that has the most, um, you know, complete storylines. A lot of the stuff in season four suffers from the if you're not binge watching it like everything's not necessarily a complete story and i think that this is probably without look having the list in front of me i think this is probably the second best episode besides the contest so i agree okay fair enough okay all right uh let's better than the bubble boy you like this better than the bubble boy i think this is better than the bubble boy okay bubble boy is fun and i like the bubble boy story but the rest of the stuff the diner stuff is like this has Georgia and you know Dana Foley, which doesn't really go anywhere. But the Jerry story is good. The Elaine story is really good. Kramer's story is okay, and you know George and Susan is fun. But you know I think Bubble Boy has some stuff going on there where we just you know don't really care. Yeah, All people right. have been warning me not to, not to rank episodes based on like the A story. Like if there's something bad in like the Soup Nazi or something, I, I'm supposed to demerit it. That's what people have been saying. Okay. All right, let's go to some questions. Of course, these come to us every week. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Uh, let's start with Amir. 
Amir says, the idea that Elaine wouldn't send George a Christmas card is beyond comprehension. She sent Christmas cards to everyone she knows, but not to George, a guy who eats with her constantly, goes with her to farmer's markets, challenges her to a contest. That's ridiculous. Akiva, is there any chance that Elaine would not send George a Christmas card? Uh, no, no chance. She's he's he's one of her three best friends. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, then Amir also calls out the same thing that I mentioned about uh, Jackie Childs and says that after finding out about the beach, why isn't Kramer's first call to Jackie Childs? In addition, isn't this plot line exactly the same as the Marlboro one? Kramer comes into the office to complain. Executives are impressed with him. He gets a job as a spokesperson. Why did the writers reuse the same plot? Is it just that they don't even remember the stuff that they did by the time they get to that? Yeah, it's like a whole different uh, group of writers at that point. Yeah. They just didn't have a poster on the board of every single thing they've ever done. All right. Johnny D. Silvera. He's got uh, a couple of notes and uh, that he mentions that uh, Dana Foley will played by uh, Gina Heck will appear again later in the shoes and the pilot. So uh, Dana Foley will be back. Uh, yes. That, that This is not the last we've seen of Dana Foley. Unlike uh, Tia and Fred. Okay. And also, Johnny wants us to know that the original title for the episode was going to be The Nipple, but was changed because Larry David felt like it would be too risque. Are, are you surprised that uh, The Nipple doesn't make the cut, but the contest does uh, make the cut? I mean, you know, it's like flashing across people's screens, like The Nipple, you know, when you have like the, the TV info on, I, I guess in 92. It, it was hammer time, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that, you know, crazy yet. Yeah, I'm telling you that. I don't think that they have that concern anymore in 2015 because I was scrolling through like I have like a bunch of like uh, movie channels like I have like HBO and then I was scrolling past like the channels that I have and I got to like the channels like in the like in the like high 500s and uh, boy they have the names of like all of the like adult things that are showing and I'm boy I'm really surprised that that stuff is just allowed to be in the channel listing Akiva. You're gonna have to block that out before your son gets to be like eight or nine. (laughs) cancel those channels right right i was like wow i can't even believe that that's even allowed to be in the channel listing like uh boy that is very that is very suggestive let's say words worse than nipple a worse than nipple it's not even suggestive it's really just like saying exactly what the thing is (laughs) (laughs) nothing suggestive about it all right uh ryan ryan mcleod uh that he says that uh, we're butchering his last name uh, that he says that uh, this is the correct way to uh, pronounce his MacLeod. Okay. Is that right? Does that sound good to you, Akiva? No, I think it's McLeod. I think you were right the whole time. Okay. All right. Oh, uh, I don't know. See, you're going to have to get back to us, Ryan. I'm not sure. You've confused us more. Yeah, he spelled it out, but I'm not sure that I don't think that the correct pronunciation uh, is there is is there in the email. I want to say... Uh, All right, Newman is completely in love with Elaine later on, as we learn in the future, but is totally uninterested in her nipple. Uh, Do you think Newman is just playing it off cool? Well, he leaves pretty quickly. We saw Kramer leave pretty quickly. Oh, you think this is like a contest thing? (laughs) Hopefully not. It's horrifying to think about. Okay. All right, Akiva, there you have it. That is the pick. We're out. What do we talk more about? The pick or back in the future? Uh, I really like the back to the future, back in the future stuff. I'm sure there'll be more of that. I'm really going to get my casting brain on this week. Okay. Is that the hashtag back in the future? Yeah. You like that? Not sublime. Like hashtag. Yeah. Hashtag. Whichever one you like. Okay. All right. Akiva, what are we talking about next week? The movie. 
the movie Back in the Future? Uh, no, we uh, we you know we love the fake Seinfeld movies. Yes. Okay. So uh, you know, next week we have uh, Rochelle, Rochelle, and Checkmate. Oh, fantastic! All right, fantastic! All right, Akiva, thank you. Uh, great job this week. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Keev twenty six. I think we're getting the the last of Akiva's internet today. So uh, Akiva, great job. Thank you. Yeah. All <laughs> right. And uh, thanks so much to Mike Moore for the recap. Scott St. Pierre uh, for the edit. We will be back uh, next week. Let us know what you thought about the episode, your casting choices for Back in the Future. And uh, we will be back in the future next week for the movie on Seinfeld, the post-show recap. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast at postshowrecaps.com slash Seinfeld iTunes or send us your emails at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. 